93.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller & Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Monday as we got a busy one recapping the weekend that was. Glad to have you aboard with us here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm Trent Condon and no, the voice you hear first this week is not my partner, Ken Miller. He is in Tucson for a horse racing conference, a gambling symposium down there that he goes to yearly and then making the short trek over to Vegas after that for a couple of days as he'll be hanging out with our friends from Circa. So we'll hear from Ken maybe a time. He'll be back on Friday for the full show, but this is a perfect opportunity. Welcome in some of my favorite people and what a person to bring in here today on the day after the Cyhawk Wrestling Meet. He is the Des Moines Register wrestling writer, Cody Goodwin. What's up, Cody? I am honored that you would consider me on the list of favorite people because Lord knows you've got a ton of friends around this town. Well, it's it's a good place to be, no doubt about it, and a lot of great people to talk sports with. But, I mean, just a perfect confluence of events. Ken said he was going to be gone. I love having you in when he's away and just, you know, especially this time of year. I'm wrestling being your forte. Ken, He's a Canadian. He doesn't get it. <laughs> yes, he's been here for 30-plus years, but he just doesn't understand wrestling at the same level. We've talked before. I love wrestling. I was a terrible wrestler. 1-23 in 23 career record in youth tournaments. Uh, though I did win my second-to-last match. It was a pretty, pretty good way to go out as I, I won 16-2 to two on my way out. And the wrestler had all appendages. It wasn't anything like that. I, <laughs> I went out there and really won and was getting better, but it was basketball for me. Uh, instead, we got somebody that knows the wrestling incredibly well. You were there yesterday at Carver. What an environment it was. So we're going to break things down, but excited to talk wrestling and a whole lot else. Your Chiefs, oh boy, they got a Cincinnati Bengals problem. We got college football playoff is set. Little college hoops as well, so a very busy weekend and plenty to get into. But thanks for stopping by today. No, I appreciate you having me in. And and you know, you and I kind of talk always off air. Like Ken, Ken doesn't get it. Not the big wrestling guy. I tell you what, if you want to turn a guy or a person or anybody who's like maybe on the fence, mm-hmm. maybe leaning off the fence, like into an actual wrestling person, or at least you want them to understand it, that duel at Carver yesterday would have been the prime example of like t- bringing them into the atmosphere, bringing them into that bubble. And showing them like how awesome that sport can be when it's at its peak like that. And we're going to get into that here in just a moment. Coming up today on the BMW Des Moines guest list, we'll kick things off here at the bottom of the hour. Scott Dockerman is going to stop by from The Athletic. Well, we'll talk about Hawkeye wrestling with you, Cody, but a lot of Hawkeyes going on yesterday. The press conference after the bowl announcement, Kirk Ferentz alluding to some possible changes inside the football program. What do we read into that? We'll talk to Doc about that. And of course, a big basketball game. Uh, coming up, not just this week with Iowa State on Thursday, but before that tomorrow as I will go out to MSG and take on the Dukies. And we'll talk about that with Scott Dockerman coming up here at 1130. We'll kick off hour number two with Bama Bob, our weekly conversation around college football, what we saw over the weekend. The playoff is set. We'll get into that and a whole lot more with Bama Bob here at about 12.05. And then at 12.30, we talk Hawkeyes in hour one. We'll talk Cyclones with Nick Osen. 
and a new offensive coordinator as Nate Shieldhouse. He was the interim a week ago, and now he is the official offensive coordinator for the football program. Jeff Myers, the offensive line coach, also out, so we'll get into that and a whole lot more coming up with Nick Osen. That'll be at 12.30. But we start, as we can only do in the state of Iowa, with wrestling. <laughs> and uh, yesterday, the environment. So, as you know, you were in here a year ago about this time, and when Ken was away, it was before, though, the Iowa-Penn State duel. And we were just talking, and we were kind of going back and forth, and I said, what would you make the spread, you know, in this matchup? And we, we started talking crazy. about that a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and, and right away, what do I do? I text my buddies at Circa, I go to Mike Palm, I'm like, is there any way that you guys could come up with a line for college wrestling? And he said, Interesting. He said, I'll, I'll talk to the guys back behind the book, the sports bookmaking people, the numbers guys, and see what they can do. They said, yeah, we're going to give it a shot. So they started, and they just put a money line out. No point spread involved in it, just a money line. Penn State, uh, they told me early on there was a lot of Penn State money. Then later in the week, it was a flood of Iowa money. It turned out to be a big decision, a much bigger decision. And in their sports book, the biggest sports book in the world, Friday night, they have Iowa Penn State, not just on one of the huge screens there, but they had the sound on for it. And Derek Stevens, the owner, well, he had some liability there, as a lot of people had bet on Penn State, on Iowa, excuse me. So he was up there rooting for Penn State. He didn't, said he never knew really what was going on, but he just knew he needed Penn State to win the match, and that came to being. But since then, they've gone headfirst into this, and they're putting out not just money line bets that you can make for winning the meet, but point spreads yesterday. It opened up. Iowa was a five-point favorite. I saw it was six. I didn't see what the closing line was. Uh, I think it jumped to... all the way to 13. Is it that high start. that it got? It was, yeah, which I thought was a little disrespectful, but, yeah. you know, in hindsight, we'll, we'll get into this. Mm-hmm. I, I get it, you know. But, they... like, to your point... Kind of cool. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not someone to gamble. But right. like the fact that like these, you know, these sports betting companies are are dabbling a little bit, mm-hmm. and there's this, you know, there's this niche audience there that they can probably bring in. And then at the same time, you know, for those of us in the wrestling bubble, um, you know, there's a lot of people that like to gamble out there. And right. if this brings a few new faces to the sport, um, I, there, there's a way for. It's not my cup of tea, but there's a way I think that can be beneficial for both sides. And it's kind of cool to see it, right? Well, and when you're just putting together, you know, your story, that's also can be a part of it, right? I mean, that, that's something that certainly interests people. You're telling people me I'm here. impacting Vegas's lines here for <laughs> Well, uh, some of the information maybe you're giving me uh, maybe impacted the line a little bit. Because we were talking last week. I didn't know I had that kind of power. You do. This, you this, absolutely this Monday's do. great now. <laughs> well, and because there are so few people in your space, there's you, there's Amy, Andy Hamilton, you know, there's a few other people. But, you know, this is not like college football game when you got, you know, 30 beat guys for Alabama, and you got everybody else that thinks they have an opinion, another dozen podcasts, and on and on and on. The sphere is very, very small, and because of that, what you put in an article, absolutely that dictates it. The guys that are crunching the numbers, not only that, but also, is Spencer Lee going to go? What are we going to see from Real Woods? And on and on and on. You have all these things, so yeah, you actually are kind of impacting what is happening. And let's start at the top with the decision by Spencer Lee. To go out there, give it a go. You could tell his lungs were not not quite ready. But that environment, just seeing it on television yesterday and flipping on BTN and hearing the crowd as he is announced. So take us in. And, and take us in the announcement when it happened, when you knew he was going to be good to go because it was listed as either or and just what it was like in Carver. Yeah, I had a gut feeling probably early in the week, midway through the week, that Spencer was probably going to go. Um you know, but I don't. I don't traffic in rumors and whatnot. So right. I, I, I kept that to myself. I, I, you know, was trying to reach out to people and figure out what was going on all week. But 
got nowhere. Um, you know, when it comes to Iowa, Iowa State, they both like to keep things pretty close to the vest. Um, you know, but obviously, you know, we get the weigh-in sheets. Shows that he has weighed in. Um, you know, Iowa makes the announcement that they're going to start at 125. So it's like, okay, like you know, and 10 is up. Um, he gets announced um, during the intros, right? Because they had Aiden Harris there as well, their other 25 mm-hmm. pounder. And you know, anybody who's been to Carver, they know that you know wrestlers get specific walkout songs before they walk out onto the mat. And a lot of like a lot of great walkout songs over the years, but like helps you identify, you know, okay, who's going to run out there? And um, Spencer's is We Will Rock You, right? And so it just it starts with that thump, thump, clap, thump, thump, clap. So, like, it literally, as soon as the first, you know, thump, thump, clap, as soon as that song started, the fans knew. Mm-hmm. And that place was zero to 100 in a blink. That's like, awesome. And it was it was righteous, man. Like, it was really cool. That was That was Carver at its finest. That was, you know, college wrestling atmospheres. You know, it doesn't get much better than, you know, jam-packed, Carver Hawkeye Arena, you know, between two top 10 teams. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not like, you know, they packed that place for Iowa to roll over a PUD, even though they've done that in previous years. But, like, you know, you, you add the environment into, you know, a dual meet that really went back and forth all the way down to the end. Um, just an epic, epic Sunday afternoon. So we get that part, and he comes out, gets a takedown, what, eight, nine seconds into the match. He, yeah. He's right away, a couple of tilts, a couple of four-point tilts, new for this year, right? The four-point tilt. Oh, those are a couple of years old. A couple yeah. of years old, yeah. yeah, where you can get the four back points now as opposed to the old-school three back points. So you had that component of it. He gets out, gets the major decision. But uh, then we go a couple weight class later, and Real Woods. And that matchup, it was his debut, his first time in Carver. You could tell he's still probably not, what, 100%? Is that fair to say he's not what we anticipate he's going to be by March? I would argue that, and you could say the same thing for Spencer, too. Like, I, you know, I don't know health-wise, you know, 90, 95, 100%, whatever they probably were. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a definite difference between game speed and live matches in the room, mm-hmm. right? Because I know that they've both been wrestling for a couple months now. Sure. Like, they both, you know, they're not just going to, you know... <laughs> you don't just roll out of bed. Yeah, you don't just not wrestle, wrestle for match, 11 yeah. months, or, you know, in the case of Woods, you don't wrestle for eight months and then just step out in a packed carver and wrestle, you know, especially for real Woods' case. Like, that's, you know, that Casey Swiderski from Iowa State, like, that's a guy yeah. that's going to be there at the end in March. And so you don't, you, don't, 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 you don't just step out there and do that, right? So, like, you know, they're, they're wrestling, they're getting ready, they're, you know, they're prepared for this. But there's a definite difference in in games right live game speed mm-hmm. right and so that um, I think that impacted Spencer maybe a little bit more than Woods um, if it impacted Woods he I don't know that he showed it as much um, you know but he I mean he felt the juice of that crowd man like he yeah. got into that and that was that made it fun because that match was already you know circle highlight it that's that's a very intriguing match both in the context of the duel and, and 141 pounds nationally but um, made it a lot more fun Casey Swiderski was the story of that match to me even though he loses four two. We know Woods is good. We know he's talented. We know he's going to be an All-American, maybe even more for Iowa this year if everything goes health-wise according to plan. But seeing this freshman walk out on the mat, the confidence, the toughness that he showed, getting hit up in the eye and just out there, a little extra after the match, the back and forth that was happening there. I mean, this dude, he looks like those dudes that right away we know, all right, there's something special here. So take us in. Very highly regarded guy. Is he one of the highest regarded recruits that they have ever got there at Iowa State in the dresser era? Yeah, I mean, the only, you know, you look up and down that lineup right now, the only higher, you know, higher rated recruit that Iowa State probably has on the roster right now is David Carr. Um, pretty good. You know, yeah. And so, like, <laughs> they were, I mean, they were pretty similarly rated. I'm pretty sure, you know, Carr was top five. Swiderski ended up top top five by the time he got done with his senior year. 
he's good, man. Like he's yeah. legit. He's fearless. Um, you know, even when he doesn't feel good, he still goes out there and wrestles really well. And I, you, you nailed it. Like Woods won that match for two. Like savvy veteran, even in his first match back. You know, I, 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 you know, that could be a match we we see again in March, depending on how the national tournament draws come out. Um, but yeah, like it, it's one of those matches where it's like, yeah, you know what, Swiderski lost, but impressive still looked very impressive um you know it, we saw kind of a little bit of the the true freshman experience when it comes to college wrestling like he's gonna make some mistakes right mm-hmm. like because woods wrote him out that entire second period and um you know hey if you're a freshman the toughest transition when you go wrestle college wrestling is getting out from bottom um and so we saw that right yeah. and and woods did a really good job taking ground throughout the entire first period i, I don't think that i've seen swiderski backed up like that on the edge of the mat um at all this year in the times that i've seen him but then you know in the third period you know, hey, like Swiderski's a gamer, right? He's coming yeah. out, still got those heavy clubs, able to score a takedown, um, doesn't win the match. But yeah, like I'm impressed with both guys taking everything into consideration in that match. And, you know, it lived up to what I hoped it was going to be. Panero Johnson then a week later, another young guy for Iowa State. Really impressive. Nice win against Max Mirren. And those are the kind of matches that Max Mirren wrestles seemingly every single time, right? And it comes down to, you know, who can get a takedown late? It was Johnson for Iowa State. Kevin Dresser, seeing these two young guys out there, they got a veteran lineup now. This is a program. Maybe it's taken longer than people thought for Iowa State to get there. I know Iowa won the match 18-15, but my takeaways were more almost Iowa State-wise. Iowa was kind of what you expect Iowa was going to be, right? And they're going to get better with health and everything else. But for Iowa State, I walked away incredibly impressed there, including these two young guys and Johnson getting the win against Mirren. This guy's got a chance to be really, really good on top of it. Am I am I crazy here? You're obviously deeper into it, but is it Iowa State just maybe how close they are to Iowa? A huge takeaway of this meet. Yeah, um, you know here here's a here's a fun stat. So the 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 duel ended five to five in matches, right? Yep. They each won five. Iowa ultimately prevailed because they scored bonus points. Um, separate conversation. They had three major decisions, but so the last time that Cyhawk duel, right, and Iowa has won eighteen in a row. The last time it ended five to five in matches was that weird 2018 duel where Iowa State pulled a couple upsets early. Iowa had to injury default out of one of those matches, mm-hmm. and you know they ultimately won by a point. It was kind of a, it was just a weird freak duel where everything that had to go right for Iowa State did go right. Um, but before then, the last time the duel was that even five to five in matches was 2004, which was the last time Iowa State won in the series. Like. It's been a hot minute yeah. since we've seen those two teams even. And granted, when it comes to the program building process, the way Dresser tends to approach these things is, okay, let's build up the dual meet aspect of this thing. And they've done that over the last few years, right? They double digit dual wins. Last year they went, you know, fifteen and one and, and they swept the Big Twelve regular season duels and it was a you know tremendous step forward for that program. The next step when it comes to building a program, and I believe they are on track to take this step this year, is okay, now you gotta start scoring major points mm-hmm. at, you know, for them the Big Twelve and the NCAA championships. And when you bring in guys like David Carr, okay, that's a big first step. The development of guys like Younger Bastida and Marcus Coleman, two All-Americans last year, it's another big step. So now, you know, I think the way Dresser phrased it is like, you know, if we want to get the, the, the pretty girls, the, hot, the big, highly touted recruits, mm-hmm. you got to look attractive, right? So they're putting these pieces together. Then you bring in guys like Casey Swiderski and Panero Johnson, two young guys that are going to be able to contribute and have been contributing right away. You know, now you've got, you've got a pretty stout lineup. Yeah. Time to, you know... March is still a ways away. I get that, but they have the look of that top ten team with a pretty high ceiling. 
just based on what we've seen so far this season. And so that's it's it, this is the progression of program building, right? You know, I, I'm not sure that they're going to contend for team trophies at the national tournament with mm-hmm. the likes of like Iowa, Penn State, Arizona State, those programs. Um, you know, but they're kind of the next tier down now. You know, and it's it, has it taken a while. Maybe, but it took him a long time, him being Kevin Dresser, it took him a long time for him to build that up at Virginia Tech. Yeah, right. And he was there for more than a decade, and they only won, you know, they were only top four once. Um, you know, so he's he's tracking, you know, everything he did at Virginia Tech, he's doing the exact same thing here at Iowa State, and, and honestly, he's probably moving a little bit quicker, um, you know, com- if you compare the two. Sure. Um, but yeah, like he's, it's trajectory is going as planned, and, and this Iowa State team, they're going to be fun to watch over the next few years, man, because yeah. like, you know, all the heavy hitters, I think outside of Marcus Coleman and, and heavyweight Sam Schuyler, who's having a pretty good year, even though he lost yesterday, all these guys are coming back next year, man. Like, it's, they're going to be a fun team to watch for the next few seasons. Trending in a positive direction, no doubt about it. Uh, the decision, uh, what was it, at 74, Nelson Brands is out there for Iowa, and they went with the young guy, Iowa State did, in that match. Surprised by you? Uh, Broderson's been out there a bunch uh, throughout his career in comparison. Were you surprised when you see Gatlin uh, go out and get the opportunity? Obviously, Brand's got the win. Yeah, MJ Gaetan. Um, he, I wasn't super surprised, um, <laughs> you know, because so Julian Broderson's probably going to be the guy come the end of the year. Davenport Assumption product has, has definitely taken steps forward over the last couple of years after kind of like being, you know, between 74 and 84. What way does he want to go? He's, he's figured a lot of good things out at 74 this year. He's a guy that holds position really well. He's, he's, a, he's 174 pound Max Murin, if that kind of mm-hmm. helps. Yep. You know, he, he's going to hold position. He's going to hand fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he doesn't take a ton. He doesn't pull the trigger a ton offensively. But when he does, he tends to pick his spots because he wants to execute. Um, MJ Gaetan's a home run hitter. He's a guy that's going to give up points to try and score points. You kind of saw it a little bit if you watch the match. Mm-hmm. He he kind of rolls and and you know if he gets lucky maybe he, he he's got a high level of volatility in his wrestling right now. He's a true freshman. He's got not, some funk, right? Yeah, he's not super you know defined technical wise, and that's you know they'll work on that over the next few years. But even Dresser said you know hey that's that's a part of him we want to keep because he he's a home run hitter, right? One of his matches earlier this year he was down you know I want to say seven four or something body locked inside trip pin the kid in the third period so like i think dresser was hoping you know hey let's let's throw this wild card out there let's see if we can make it a roly-poly match a little bit and maybe we catch nelson brands now you know the argument there is like okay well nelson brands is really really good at wrestling and he's very fundamentally sound he's very quick he's very strong heavy heavy hands so nelson was ready for all that you know quote-unquote funk that guy tom may have thrown out there so big gamble by dresser maybe not a big gamble but definitely a gamble Mm -hmm. and nelson made him pay with bonus points so not super surprised by it um you know, and and hey, Gaetan ended up scoring a takedown in the first period, or yeah. maybe it was the second period, whatever it was. He scored points, maybe not the points that you know Dresser wanted, um, but that's the risk you take, right? Comes down to heavyweight, and Cassiope, what three takedowns in the match? He wins at nine two, but there was a moment where Schuler gets him locked up in the cradle. What was it like in Carver at that moment? I'm going to guess the the contingent of Iowa State fans got loud there for a minute. What was it like at Possibly the win streak. The traveling trophy would actually travel for the first time ever. <laughs> the Dan Gable traveling trophy that was uh, instituted in 2010. What was it like at Garver? I'm pretty sure if Skyler would have found a way to roll cast to his back and pin him, that entire 
I mean, it was 90-10, probably 95-5, maybe Iowa fans mm-hmm. and Carver, as you would expect. They would have all puked. Um, <laughs> and it just, it it wasn't so quiet that you could hear a pin drop because shout out to the, you know, 5 to 10% Iowa State fans who were kind of tucked up in one of the corners yeah. and, and the Iowa State bench was going crazy because they saw, you know, oh, oh hey, like, look where he landed. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it, it it got a little weirdly quiet. It was you could feel the nervous energy in the yeah. air, but you know, you get to that third period after wrestling cast for, you know, at that point already five plus minutes. Um, it didn't look like the grip or the forearm strength was there to maybe take him all the way over. Mm-hmm. I mean, good on Skyler for getting in that position. He ended up avoiding bonus points there, but um yeah, it was it was it was a little weird for a few seconds there. <laughs> Iowa fans were that it, it felt like they were getting ready to puke, but yeah. then Cass figured it out. Oh, fun match there and looking forward. So I also saw that there are some numbers out there to win the national championship this year. Penn State's the overwhelming favorite. They're minus 350, meaning you have to lay 350 bucks just to win 100 back. Thank you for explaining that. Or 35 bucks to win 10 back if you're somebody like me. <laughs> and uh, Iowa is the second choice. They're 4-1, to one, and then you kind of go from there. The gap between Penn State and everybody else, it's significant. How significant do you believe it is? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, they returned four of their five NCAA champs from last year. So that mm-hmm. already pretty pretty big head start on the field. Um, I mean, they're the team to beat, like, point blank. Is there a path for Iowa to potentially take them down? I think that path will reveal itself now that we're, you know, they're about 90% the way of fielding their full A lineup. Mm-hmm. The one weight left that they're, you know, figuring out. I think they have it figured out, but they're just kind of waiting for Brody Teske to get back fully healthy so they can figure out him or Shriver is 133. And then once they figure that out, it's like, okay, I always got the A team. They've got the Big Ten schedule coming up once the, the year flips over. And then we'll really kind of see, okay, what's the path here? You kind of already know some of it. Um, you know, like Spencer's got to do his thing. Tony Cassiope's got to do his thing. Um, you know, Jacob Warner, returning NCAA finalist, he's got to do his thing. Um, you know, but then you're looking at like Max Mirren and Abe Assad, guys that have all American capability. You need to take that step. Um, guys like Patrick Kennedy, who, you know, took a pretty tough loss yesterday um, to David Carr. David Carr's firmly in the mix for title contender. Patrick Kennedy's firmly in the mix to be an All-American at that weight this year, and I don't think that changes even after that loss yesterday. He's got to step up and perform and do that. Nelson Brands has to do the same thing at 74. Um, So what ultimately does the path look like? You can kind of put some of the puzzle pieces together. You know, Real Woods, right? He's a returning All-American for Stanford, ranked number two nationally right now. Like, he kind of has to live up to that, right? So there's, you can put some of the small pieces together. It's going to take a full team effort. What exactly that path is going to look like, we'll find out, you know, starting January, early January when they, when they open Big Ten play. And Kale really kind of changed the complexion of college wrestling and, and those bonus points with those super guys, you know, your top flight guys going out there, not just winning a national championship, but along the way, scoring bonus points and, and the math that it's going to take here. You know, Iowa going to have to get a national championship out of Lee, probably maybe one other, maybe even a couple other guys wrestling for a championship and then the bonus points on top of it. And what? At least nine All-Americans? I mean, it, that's kind of the math that it's going to take to to track down this Penn State team again this year. Yeah, and nine All-Americans sounds like a lot, but that's, you know, when, when the other guys have, you know, four guys that won it a year ago, that's Jeez. that's how you make up the ground, right? Yep. And, you know, and, and who's to say that Penn State couldn't just stick a fork in it sometime on Friday at the NCAA Championships, yeah. right? Because We've you know, seen not, that before. Not only do they have all those guys back, but, you know, their heavyweight is a two-time All-American. He's back. Um, you know, he's going to be in the mix at 285 this year, along with Cassiope and a few others. Um, you know, they've got some stud freshmen that I know they're really excited about and have looked really good in the early going of the season. So how do those young guys handle Big Ten play? 
you know, that'll that'll help reveal what the path might look like for both teams, right? So um, a lot of rustling still left. Um, you know, if any team can catch Penn State, I believe it's Iowa, but how they are going to do that, um, you know, we'll find out. All right. Well, good wrestling stuff there, Cody, but we got lots of other things. We could talk two hours wrestling. Other yeah. things happen this weekend? Yeah, yeah. There, there are a few other things we need to get into, including, I don't know if you were listening on your way home or what it was, but your Kansas City Chiefs. They got a Cincinnati Bengals problem, huh? I'm, I'm going to have to boycott Skyline until they can figure out <laughs> Joe Burrow. Ooh, that one, and it felt like Cincinnati was trying a couple of times to let him in the game, hanging around, decisions, fourth down decisions and the like, and Kansas City just couldn't take it. How concerned are you? I mean, if you look and it's a divisional matchup and you got Cincinnati coming to town, as a Chiefs fan, how concerned do you have to be after three straight now wins from Cincy? Um, I think I'm more annoyed than anything. Yeah. Um, you know, because you look at the little things that they did yesterday, you know, Pat put on his cape and, um, you know, from what I was able to gather, cause you know, the duel by the time I got back on the road, six, six thirty. So, you know, I caught most end of the third, most of the fourth quarter, <laughs> you know, cap Pat put on his cape, scored the touchdown, right? I'm like, Oh, okay. Like there's the MVP. All right. We're, we're fine. Um, Piss poor defensive execution down the stretch, man. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's the the same thing in the last, you know, the, the two matchups last year, you know, since he's offensive line, good, not great. I think yeah. they're definitely better this year than they were last year, but they still struggle at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is because Burrow's a little volatile in the pocket, but Iowa just, or not Iowa, the Chiefs struggle to, to get sacks on him. Like they struggle to put him on the ground. Um, so that's frustrating because the Chiefs' defensive line and pass rush has looked fairly good during you know this stretch of, of wins they had before they lost yesterday. And then on top of that, just you know, so I, sometimes the linebackers and the DBs just decide that they don't want to tackle, and that just annoys the crap out of me, man. Like just you know, like that, like the the first down to Jamar Chase, you know, that mm-hmm. essentially ran the clock all the way down. Um, they ran the right defensive set. Like, they were ready. You know, Jamar Chase in space, like, and they are just going to let that dude make a play. And they had four or five defenders there. None of them seemed interested in tackling the receiver. So it's like little things. Like, it's little things like that. Or, you know, like when the Chiefs had the ball, I'm trying to remember. I think they're up seven at this point. Um, or maybe it was 24-all. Um, or maybe they were losing. I forget. Fourth quarter drive. Um you know, since he's still doing that send three, drop eight thing. And, mm-hmm. and hey, Andy Andy Reid's learning a little bit because we're handing off to Isaiah Pacheco. We're doing short dump passes to Jarek McKinnon. Like, we're taking advantage of the light boxes. And then they just they went away from that because reasons? You know, like, if you're getting five <laughs> yards a pop, like, keep running the ball. Um, you know, and that's a, that's a forever Andy Reid thing. Um, Was that the one that ended the missed field goal? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, and I get it. You know, you've got the MVP. You want to put the ball in his hands. Um, but dude, third and three, like, mm-hmm. take your chances. Take your chances. It is working. It is working. I like. I don't know if you just go zone inside or if you go back to you know taking under center. But ah, man, I don't know. Like, if I'm playing Madden, I'm spamming until the <laughs> until the computer stops me. And so that that's just little frustrating things. Like, sure. I, I I'm of the belief that they'll. They'll fine-tune things because the Chiefs generally fine-tune things by the time they get to the postseason, um, second half against the Bengals last year in the AFC title game aside. Um, so, you know, I don't want to see Cincy, um, but if we have to, like, it's, you know, that's 
we got to beat them or, or finish better than them to probably get to where we want to go, right? Yeah. So, it, I, you know, hey, let's. I'd rather, I guess I'd rather play that game at home if we have to. Well, right now, uh, Baltimore does have the tiebreaker, but there's plenty more to be said in Cincinnati. I did not believe coming into the year that they made enough changes offensively on that offensive line to get better. They are better, still not great by any means, but they just keep finding a way to win games. And after an 0-2 start, they've now won 8 of their last 10. As somebody who has uh, whose favorite team has a generational quarterback, uh-huh. I think Cincinnati is learning that Joe can cover up a lot yeah. of deficiencies because of his play. And it also helps when you have an all-world receiver he's throwing to as well. So. That, that helps, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's got a little help, too. I mean, and they did that without Joe Mixon. Yeah. Well, hey, Samaje Pirine's not bad. He's not bad. He's not bad. And then, you know, on top of Jamar Chase, it's, you know, T. Higgins. They've got good tight ends there. Like, it's not it's, – it's it's a really good offense. And if the offensive line's the weakest part, but you still have Joe Burrow throwing the ball, like, you know, things have to – it's – Things have to go as badly as the Chiefs Bucks Super Bowl a few years ago to stop that man from executing. Right. You know, like it has to, that offensive line has to be five dudes from the YMCA. Like, with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I don't know. That's where we are. We'll get to more NFL talk here a little bit later on. we got to talk about the college football playoff as well as the field is set. We'll do that with Bama Bob, but coming up next, Iowa has their bowl destination. It'll be Music City, where they were supposed to be a couple of years ago, a rematch of the team they saw a year ago against Kentucky. Who's going to be the quarterback, though? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more as we continue. Scott Docterman from The Athletic, he joins us next as we roll through. Cody Goodwin in for Ken. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. Eleven thirty-seven. Miller and Condon continues. One hundred six point three KXNO. Trent Condon, Cody Goodwin in today for ten. A lot of Iowa, Iowa State wrestling to kick off the program. Now we're going to get into a little football. Scott Dockerman joins us from the Athletic in his weekly spot here with us. No game this weekend. Nothing to recap, but. Plenty of news, Scott Dockerman. It has been a whirlwind week for Iowa football. Of course, the big news since we spoke last, Cade McNamara is officially an Iowa Hawkeye. The transfer portal is open. How you doing today, Doc? Hey, I'm doing great. You know, it's just a uh, balance between doing uh, a lot of the national bowl stuff, which really preoccupied my time up until about noon yesterday, and then, of course, uh, a lot of the Iowa news. So it's Kind of my head's been on a swivel, but now I can kind of focus more on the Hawkeyes. And it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a very interesting time in Iowa football land. It really is. And yesterday we got to hear from Kirk Ferentz for the first time since the uh, end of the regular season, the loss to Nebraska. It became official. Spencer Petras not going to be able to go. And most people connecting the dots. Alex Padilla has entered in the transfer portal. It'll be Joe Labus that will get the start. A little cold water thrown on that one. And Kirk yesterday said it'll be him or the true freshman, Carson May. Do we read into this? What do we say in an open competition here for two young quarterbacks? At least that provides a little bit of juice for this matchup, right? Uh, no question. I mean, you know, can you imagine if he would have said that, say, 
you know, let's say take Spencer Petras's injury out of it, and um, if uh, let's say week six he would have said, yeah, it's going to be either Joey Labus or Carson May starting this week. I mean, I think fans would be going gaga, but right now I don't think people understand what to think because it's so rare here to have something like this. So um, it's it's probably it's a really good competition for for both of them because I think they can kind of see where they fit in the world. Uh, we know Cade McNamara is coming here to start, coming to Iowa City to start. So. As far as uh, you know, the other one, whoever kind of wins the gig or performs better in practice or uh, just performs better in the game is, is probably going to have the leg up on being number two, you know, this spring. And and Kate McNamara is probably not going to be able to compete all that often in the spring, so he's going to have a good chance, whether it's Carson May or uh, Joey Labus, of being becoming that second team quarterback and maybe be in the next one. I mean, Marco Lane is, is going to have something to say about that when he mm-hmm. arrives on campus. But um, I, I think this is going to be a really good, uh, you know, a really good competition to see kind of what the future of Iowa quarterback might be. So 2021, we heard some buzz about Joey Labus and a possibility this could be a young guy they're excited about. It felt like, I don't know, maybe some of that buzz dissipated here this season. Haven't heard much about Carson May. Take us in. I know, information, especially for backups, incredibly difficult to get. What do you have on these two quarterbacks, if anything? Joey Labus was kind of the scout team superstar a year ago where, you know, he was asked to do a lot of different things and he did it um, kind of. And I, I know one person very close to the program told me, he's like, yeah, he's got a little Drew Tate in him. He just does some things off schedule. And, and uh, there were some people saying, well, but we don't know how he's going to be when he gets to the Iowa offense. I'm like, well, maybe you guys should do a little bit more of what he does on scout team. But uh, that would have been nice. But, I mean, there, you know, I guess there was a little bit of maturity concerns uh, this year with him. I don't know if that's the reason why he never really challenged either Padilla or Petrus for the first two teams. But uh, he gets his opportunity now. And Carson May uh, has a lot of skills. He's been primarily on scout team this year, he and Joey Labus have kind of rotated in that role. I haven't heard a whole lot either. I've asked a little bit, but, you know, there's just so much going on that it's hard to really get into QB4. Um, but, you know, they, you know, he's well-liked. He's well-respected. Uh, you know, his classmates like him a lot. So I think he's going to have every opportunity to really go out and show what he can. And and then, uh, you know, we'll see what happens when the when the Tennessee – I mean, I'm sorry, the, <laughs> we're going to be in Tennessee, the, the Kentucky defense starts coming after him. Well, hey, that kind of leads into what my question, Doc. I know the offensive line has struggled quite a bit, so how should we kind of – I mean, if this is really a true competition for QB2 next year, how much does that factor in? How much does – you know, there's not going to have – you know, they're not going to have probably the full complement of skill guys that, that Petrus had this year. Um, you know, how does, how does that maybe reframe how we, how we view this thing, you know, when they play, you know, here not too long from now? I would caution anybody from taking too much away from the game itself. Because as you said, uh, Cody, there's going to be, you know, there there are already receivers in the portal. It could be like what it was against Iowa State or or South Dakota State where there was one scholarship guy out there running routes. And uh, this guy, you know, whoever starts, whoever plays the majority of snaps does not have a lot of, um, you know, chemistry with the the first unit as a whole, let alone with the receiving core. So that's going to be a challenge to watch how that happens. Now, one thing, you know, Kentucky – only has 19 sacks this year. Uh, it fired its offensive coordinator. I think it has a straight-ahead approach on offense. So I think really could 
you know, Iowa's defense can really take charge of this game. But so it comes down to offense. You know, we, we kind of joke about risk averse offense in Iowa, but it really could come down to that. Don't make any mistakes at all. Uh, punting is going to be part of the offense. And if you see a play, make it, but otherwise don't blow it. And I think that's probably what the strategy is going to be. So if, if they complete half their passes and none of them goes to Kentucky, I think they'll be uh, just happy with that outcome just for that one game. A little bit tongue-in-cheek here, but if that's the approach I was taking into the bowl game, I know he got hurt against Nebraska. What are the odds Cooper DeGene takes a few snaps <laughs> just for the heck of it? You know, I think all of us, in, all of us that have ever seen him or seen his highlights, um, at Alphabet City High School <laughs> in West Iowa. Would love to see that. Oh, my God, if he was in there, even for a play uh, to run the Wildcat, I think uh, this place would, would just go, woo! You know, and I, I would love to see it, but I, it just it's not going to happen. I mean, and, you know, all these years, I remember six years ago when everybody wanted Desmond King to play offense because they were so depleted at receiver, and even that one didn't happen. But but we can keep dreaming, right? You know, give us till uh, the fourth quarter on January first to to officially put that one on ice. Well, I, of, I know Kirk's an avid listener, so right, uh, yes. here's here's hoping he's listening to this conversation <laughs> nice and close. Yeah. Well, one of those also things that maybe Hawkeye fans thought they'd never see was being heavy into the transfer portal. Already got Cade McNamara. A lot of wide receivers. There's a lot of interest there. Doc, following this thing, it is kind of a whirlwind. You look at the number, there's the sheer volume of guys that have entered the transfer portal. Not just backups, but I mean, players with significant histories at their schools and guys that are moving on. It's difficult to follow. I'm sure you guys and all your resources there at The Athletic trying to cover everything. It's got to be a crazy whirlwind right now. What is the likelihood, though, that I was going out there and and you hear about the Alabama receiver and you hear about a Flipper Anderson's kid at Charleston Southern and a D2 kid from up in Hillside, on and on and on, these wide receivers? I mean, how heavily involved do you anticipate I was really going to be here now after getting McNamara? I know this is going to be hard to believe, and it is for me a little bit too, but very, very involved. Uh, And it's not just kind of what Kirk said and the tone with which he said it yesterday. But from from some kind of background conversations I've had, they are definitely in the portal. They have they have moved on philosophically that that is where they're going to live. Now it doesn't mean that they're going to get 15 guys, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they get somewhere between five and eight, um, and multiple offensive linemen, receivers, and tight and a tight end, as well as any player that can help them on the defensive side of the ball. So they are going guns blazing into the portal this year rather than dabbling with it. You know, in the past, they've had some decent players. You know, Oliver Martin was a nice pickup. Excuse me, Koi Kronk was mm-hmm. a good uh, signing there. And, and, you know, and then some of the other smaller school ones. But, you know, they'll still look very hard at those. But they're not having any problems right now with going after linemen from, say, Alabama or Oklahoma, as well as some of the receivers you mentioned. They're going to look and they're going to try. So, if, if anything, that is a major upgrade compared to where we lived just, say, a week ago beyond. Kirk talking about the portal yesterday, and also it was pointed to him. Now, Keegan Johnson wasn't outright talked about, but the possibility of guys that have announced their intentions, maybe second-guessing those decisions. Your takeaway from that, and, and just Kirk talking about the portal in general, what, Kirk 3.0, 4.0, I, I, I lose track where we are right now. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I think 2.0 was like the Adrian Claiborne era. Yeah. 2.0 was that. Um, that was the you know, Kirk, you know, new Kirk, and then new Kirk now is 
getting in the seven, eight year range. So yeah, that it is a little different to hear him say that because Iowa used to be so rigid in everything it did when it came to that. It was kind of like, uh, once you're gone, you're gone. And I, I remember a couple of players that, you know, going back like 10 years, one Lance Tillerson, a linebacker, mm-hmm. uh, left and then came back, but he came back only as a walk on and, and they weren't going to scholarship him. And, and so there's a lot of different players, I think, that, um, you know, the, even the ones that haven't been in the portal. I mean, like Arlen Bruce has officially entered the portal. I do know that. Uh, but, you know, Keegan Johnson is the one that's been speculated about. If he's keeping an open mind, which is different than before, and I think that's a good sign. Now, whether or not Keegan still enters the portal, whether or not he um, stays in it and leaves, um, you know, that's that's something different. But I think Kirk at least acknowledging that not every case is the same and there are some questions with some others, I think that that shows that he's willing to kind of go beyond what he has before. So uh, one other thing that a lot of people were hopeful for is we're going to see this big shakeup on the offensive staff. It's not going to happen now. It'll happen after the bowl game if there are changes. What do you anticipate, if anything, what kind of changes to expect with the coaching staff once we get through the bowl game? Trent, I don't know that I want to you know, completely throw it out there and have it kind of stick to me you yeah. know, as far as predictions go. But I, I could, I from what I've gathered, I think that there's going to be at least two changes. Okay. Now, you know which ones? Eh, I don't know if I want to speculate because sure. that just sticks to me like a, you know, <laughs> Velcro in a in a thorn bush. But you know, I do I do know that there's some there's some indicators that I think we're going to see some changes. Now, how many and who and, and which uh, chairs get shuffled? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure yet, but there will be changes. I would be very very surprised if all the seats come back filled the same way they are this year good stuff hey doc i know it's a busy time for you thanks for carving out a couple minutes for us here in des moines appreciate it all right thanks so much trent that See you, is Cody. scott Doctorman with the athletic great resources you were searching for everything going on in the world of hawkeyes great recap of what happened in the press conference yesterday from doc over at the athletic cody changes they are a coming just this transfer portal and how open Kirk was yesterday. I know you were busy during the time during that press conference, but I'll tell you, it was it was surprising just hearing how open he was, how willing to change he was. He called it exhilarating, not a word that we see Kirk throw out very often, and certainly talking about something like this. Are we got big? Do you anticipate big changes that we're going to see another kind of overhaul of the Iowa football, just the program and the way that they run things? Maybe, um, you know, a, a guy like Kirk who's been doing what he's been doing at, at a fairly high level. I mean, mm-hmm. let's give credit where it's due for, for as long as he's been doing it. Um, you know, har- hard for people to change. So, you know, glad that they're adapting with the, uh, you know, the, the current new trends and, and things that go on with college football. You know, we've seen, um, you know, Iowa wrestling has done the same thing, right? Yeah. Like they've tapped into the transfer portal to, to get some high profile guys to come join the program. Um, you know, so it's, it's kind of good to see that, that Kirk and his staff are, are, they're just not sitting still. Right. Right. And so I guess we, we kind of have to see what the product looks like next fall. Um, you know, I think before we, we see, you know, what they're doing now, if it works, right. Cause that's, you know, the, the, I don't know that the genesis and basis and fundamental parts of Iowa football are going to change all that much. You know, everything kind of starts and ends with, with the offensive line on offense. And, mm-hmm. and if they're good to go, they, they got a shot to be a, a pretty good unit. Um, and then the defense is going to be the defense, right. 
Um, you know, so I think them learning to adjust maybe some, you know, a, a sign that, yeah, they were probably frustrated with how things ultimately went down this year. But, um, you know, I guess until we see the product on the field week one next year, um, you know, I think I think I'll reserve judgment. But yeah. I, I am kind of glad to see that they are they are poking around in, you know, just welcoming, adapting to, you know, tracking into the transfer portal, trying to figure out some things and, and fix some things because, you know, they're going to have a good defense next year, too. Yes, and, they are. You know, they they I I. I mean, let's 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 put it bluntly. They wasted an all-world defense this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I don't know that they want to do that again. Um, so just very curious to see what what the whole thing's going to look like by the time they get around next fall. And that's a big picture thing for me. You know, people talk about this year missed opportunity. Last year, I think was a missed opportunity. If you had a more competent offense, how great that team was. They won ten games in spite of the offense. Yeah. Just think of what it could have been. And you really look at the six years of totality of Brian Ferentz. Even the Stanley years, they were okay. But offensively, they left a lot to be desired there, and it just a little bit more offensively. Well, you know, I think the Stanley years, Nate Stanley, you know, covered up a lot of things. Absolutely. You know, and then and then maybe you know last year's ten win team, like the offense was the offensive line was pretty good, and and that combined with the defense probably helped cover up quite a few things. Um, this year they couldn't hide, right? You know, just the, the the fundamentals and the basic things that make Iowa's offense go, and continually talking about the offense here right like that's that's the issue um you know they couldn't hide from the issues this year and so you know good on them for for recognizing that they may be screwed up this year and you know let let's see let's see what they do to fix it now get it right yeah that's the big thing we'll take a quick time outcome here the college football playoff is set did they get it right we'll get cody's thoughts on that trent and cody here with you taking you up until one it is miller and condon on 106.3 bets off couple minutes of our number one. Welcome back, Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Cody Goodwin in for Ken. He'll be back with us on Friday. Got a few other guest hosts coming up this week. But, Cody, before we hit the top of the hour, we've got Bama Bob coming up, talking a lot of college football with him. The playoff is set. No surprise, Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU even with the loss. They are at number 3, and it is Ohio State at 4. Did they get it right? I mean, I think so. I, everybody else had two losses and, um, you know, not as many good wins. I mean, you could argue that Ohio State maybe didn't have, you know, as many good wins as like the SEC teams, right? Sure. Cause they have to go through that conference and that gauntlet. And, um, you know, like I, I guess I'm excited for them to expand to 12 because I would like to see, you know, more teams in there. But, you know, for the purposes of figuring out who the top four are, I got no arguments. I'm right there with you. I think it sets up in a couple of really fun matchups, too. Ones that we get some new blood. That's a good thing. I really like the opportunity to see TCU here in the playoff. The Big 12 getting another shot. Would have been fun to see USC finish that. But after the hamstring injury to Caleb Williams, you just saw how debilitated he was. And that defense was rough. I mean, Georgia would have hunted. 70 <laughs> if they wanted I mean, to. they might hang 70 on Ohio State yeah, the way, boy. you know, if they copy Michigan's playbook like oh. that's, oof, man. And if, if they thought happens, Michigan was physical, wait till you play Georgia. And if coach third base, boy, if Ohio State gets blown out again, mm. that is going to be an interesting conversation in Columbus. But we got the playoff. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Bama Bob will stop by recapping what we saw in the final full week of college football championship Saturday. Kind of anticlimactic overall. We'll get some thoughts on that. Army-Navy week and a whole lot more. Bama Bob kicks off our number two. We also talk Cyclones with Nick Olson as we take you up until one. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3.